Beautiful. Welcome everyone to tonight's program. And uh, I always begin by quoting Baba, who um, began all his programs by saying in Hindi, Sabko Varasanmane Kesat Prem Sayadik Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And that was always the essence of his spirituality, to welcome another person with love because Every person has, as uh, Swami Parmananda said, the spark of the divine within them, and that was Baba's worship, to welcome people with love. So in that spirit, I want to welcome you. <clears throat> and you've, um, you've already heard that Devi Ma is uh, in India, not yet in Ganeshpuri. Uh, she's with uh, Anandi and Swami Turyananda, and they're in Mumbai, and of course, first comes shopping. <laughs> and uh, they're, not, they're not online, are they? Who am I asking? No, I didn't think they'd be online tonight. Um, but, but I think they go to Ganeshpuri probably tomorrow. Uh, and then by next week, I expect we'll have a report from Ganeshpuri and, and so on. So she, so, uh, Poor Shakti was waiting for her to walk in. And it was quite sad, so we sent her back. <laughs> but she has the sadness for all of us. But we also know that her being there will be blessings for everybody, so it's a great thing. <clears throat> also, I want to welcome uh, a number of people tonight. Uh, uh, one thing is uh, Sri Bud, who we haven't seen for a long time. Just just back from America where she, he waged a successful battle to become a senator from Pennsylvania. <laughs> and um, it's good to see you back, bud. And, um, and then Michael, Sri Michael, we haven't seen for a long time. And, uh, and finally, I, I want to acknowledge uh, Peter Ganapati, Solom, uh, who's been through an incredible physical ordeal. And uh, in his honor, I'm doing the program tonight. Um, and all of those of you here, if the first time, I welcome you all too. Um, but uh, Peter's last name is Solom, and I was very aware, long before I met him, of a Gershon Solom, who's a great scholar, uh, especially of the Hasidic movement, and he wrote uh, wonderful books on that. <clears throat> and um, uh, so I decided to do uh, a program tonight on Rabbi Nachman of Breslau. What, what of my, this is in honor of Gershon and Peter Sholom. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, Rabbi Nachman of Breslau is a remarkable uh, saint, yogi, and Hasidic rabbi of the 19th uh, century, 18th and 19th century. Um, you have to go back to the Baal Shem Tov. Back in the 18th century, what's the 18th century? When did uh, Captain Cook come here? 
What? 1788? Is, is that right? Don't you people know your history? What? 1770, right about the time of the American Revolution. Yeah, anyway, let's say, so that was just after the Baal Shem Tov, who's there. That does look like a Rembrandt, doesn't it? Uh, huh? In the style of Rembrandt, yeah. Anyway, Balsam Tov was a, a, a Jewish uh, sage who began what's known as Hasidism, which is, was, in its inception, an ecstatic, God-conscious uh, God uh, movement with a lot of dancing, chanting, and ecstasy. Um, and this is all... <laughs> doesn't look ecstatic? Uh, he, he uh, lived till uh, 1760, and his great-grandson, great-grandson uh, was uh, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, who uh, lived in, in uh, eastern Poland, which is now a village in Ukraine. It's in Ukraine now. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, he was the... His grandmother was the only daughter of the Baal Shem Tov. Okay. <clears throat> uh, and uh, Nachman, he, in his childhood, he spent many hours meditating in the fields and mountains. He came into a, a, a yogic uh, holy family. Uh, he made a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. He had a lot of difficulty in his life, a lot of controversies and health problems. His uh, infant son and wife died and he got TB, his house burned down, he was attacked by rival rabbis. <laughs> That's no fun to be attacked by rival rabbis, believe me. Uh, and then he moved to the town of Breslau in 1802, and he attracted his major disciple, who was named Rabbi Nathan, who wrote down and preserved his teachings. Because of Rabbi Nathan, that we have his teachings. Uh, and he died at the young age of 38 of tuberculosis, which claimed a lot of people in those days. Um, <clears throat> and Nathan worked very hard to uh, publish and promote Nachman's teachings, and eventually he got thousands in the group. And t to this day, uh, that lineage continues. The Hasidic uh, movement has a bunch of lineages. I'm not sure, 10 or 12 lineages. Um, and they're a succession of gurus, uh, and I grew up in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where the Satma Hasidim were, that's a different lineage, but Nachman uh, uh, began his lineage, and his main teaching, and that's why he's interesting to us, is called Hit Bodhidut, uh, which literally means mental self-seclusion, but what it really means is a, a, it's a method of prayer which is very similar, in some ways, an early forerunner of Shiva process. Extraordinary uh, method of prayer, which I think everyone would be do well to use, highly sophisticated. He taught, he taught to have a frank, open, and honest conversation with God in your inner world. And you could, you could change that and say, 
with your own deeper self, your own true self, or with the guru, or with the shakti, however you want to conceive it, you have a conversation inside yourself. So dialogue is very, very uh, important. And by doing that, a seeker processes all his hidden and unconscious desires, fears, and urges, and comes to peace. Because we all carry within us so many tendencies and uh, attachments and aversions and all kinds of things. And this is a method, actually, of processing it all and getting, going beyond them. He used the term nullification, which meant to go beyond ego. He taught to include your soul in the source, which is God. <clears throat> include the whole world in the source along with your soul. So very similar to Shaivism, everything is God, everything is consciousness, everything is included. And then the ego is nullified. <laughs> it's a great word to nullify your ego. Uh, he, said, he said it's best to meditate in the middle of the night or else early morning or any time if these are impossible. Fields are better than the city because the grasses will help. <laughs> Not that kind of grass. But he says, every blade of grass sings the, its praises and prayers to God. It's a wonderful idea. The whole universe is singing. Um, wherever it's uh, less noisy is a good place for hit bodhidut. And we should start anew every day, as though we've never done it before, which reminds me of uh, uh, the Zen idea of beginner's mind. You know, sometimes you get so filled with spiritual ideas reading too many books, hearing too many lectures, that uh, you think, oh, I know everything, and you're heavy with that knowledge. And in Zen, they say, have beginner's mind, like you've never done it before. Approach it fresh. When you meditate, approach it fresh. Every time fresh, a new investigation, a new uh, time to go deep within yourself. He says, you should start by harmonizing our will with God's. And this is what I would call a dharana to sit and harmonize. Let's do it for a second. Okay. Um, put your will in harmony with God, with the divine will. If you're completely upset with that, with nature, with destiny, with shakti, with the divine, with the guru, whatever, however you conceive it, and just sit and harmonize the will. Very often we're in a struggle with reality uh, we don't like the way it is. We're angry at it. We, uh, we have so much desire. We want to change it. So, so slip into a, a harmony with it. Just contemplate that for a second. Okay, we'll go on. <laughs> Nachman said, pray for anything and everything. Uh, this is what's charming about it. Didn't have just noble prayers, high prayers, anything. Express yourself completely. All your needs, urges, large and small. But the main thing is to pray for closeness to God. Now that's, of course, the real meaning of prayer. It's not just give me money, give me a house, give me a car, give me fame, give me power, give me this, give me that. Uh, it's not just that, it's about let me get closer to the divine, let me know the true self. Let me experience inner joy, peace, and bliss. This is real prayer. 
He says, draw everything from God. Be simple and childlike. Bring God into everything in your life, large and small. The key is to pray for whatever it is your heart is fully in. He says, just remembering God or the self is also hit bodhidut. Just remembering it. <clears throat> Be simple and straightforward as though speaking with a close friend. Then the words will flow. Because we all uh, hide behind our persona. We present ourselves a certain way to the world. We want to appear a certain way. But in the, in the privacy of your own heart, speak the truth. Admit to your insecurities. Admit to your desires, whatever it is, speak, speak like a child, simply and straightforwardly. He says, like a child complaining and pestering his father. <clears throat> so these are from Nachman. He says, do your utmost to spend at least an hour every day in private prayer and meditation. Express yourself in your own words in the language you understand best. You don't have to speak Hebrew or Latin or Sanskrit. Just speak uh, <coughs> strong. <coughs> Good day, God. How you going? Talk about all the things you're going through. Admit your sins and transgressions, both intentional and unintentional. Speak to God the way you would to a close friend. Tell him what you're going through, your pain, the various pleasure, pressures you're under, your personal situation, and of others in your home. Talk about everything in full. Argue with God in whatever way you can. Press him, plead with him, to help you come genuinely close to him. Cry out, shout and groan, sigh and weep. This part's very Jewish, as you'll hear. Give thanks to God for all the love he's shown you in both spiritual and material matters. Sing to God and praise him, and then ask for whatever you need, spiritually and materially. Have faith that the satisfaction God derives from such conversations with even the lowliest of all people is more precious to him than all other kinds of devotions even those devotions of the angels in all the worlds. <clears throat> so it's to go inside and speak. Now, if you combine that with the knowledge that you get from Shaivism through Shiva process, you realize that words have different weight. Some words uplift, and some words make you feel contracted. You know that's true. When people say things to you, sometimes you feel uplifted by it, and sometimes you feel really upset by it. In the same way, words that echo inside the chamber of our brain or our heart, some of those words uplift us and some contract us. And so in our inner dialogue, uh, we see which lines of communication are uplifting and get us closer. The uplifting ones will get us closer to our core, to our self, to God, uh, and some will take it away. <clears throat> he says, even if you can't open your mouth at all, just the fact that you're standing there putting your hope in God and lifting your eyes upwards and forcing yourself to speak, and even if you say no more, no more than a single word, the entire time all this endures forever. 
You just say anything. If you've been practicing Hidbodadut for years and are convinced there's been no improvement, continue doing it. <laughs> In the end, you'll reach your goal, as King David did. He cried every night and continued to do so until he was answered. That's one thing from Rabbi Nachman. <clears throat> Another bit. Rabbi uh, Nathan once described the greatness of Hitbodadut. He says, try to picture the high priest as he entered the Holy of Holies at the one time of the year that this was permitted, Yom Kippur. So apparently the, the high priest goes into the, the holy place where the uh, Torah is once a year. I don't know these uh, things, but just it reminds me because David and I was going to be there on Bhagwan's birthday. By the way, Bhagwan's birthday is the 30th of November. Is it really Bhagwan's birthday? As uh, I naively believed it until Swami Parmananda <laughs> said those things. No, apparently they, they asked him what his birthday was, and he said, you can celebrate it on the 30th of November. That doesn't mean it really was, but that's all right. It's all right. So I think it's like the Queen's birthday, you know, or whatever. Um, anyway, so they, and on that day they opened uh, the shrine in Ganeshpuri so everyone can go behind to where Bhagwan is buried. You know, you can't do normally. Uh, so anyway, he says, imagine in, de uh, in describing his appearance, the liturgy states that the high priest looked like one who sits in solitude to pray before God. Imagine the high priest entering the Holy of Holies is likened to the person who sits and pours his heart out before God. So imagine in the most shakti-filled, intense spiritual experience um, where you feel close to God, that's what it's like to do hit bodhidut. Um, <clears throat> so we enter the Holy of Holies every day. When you go into that inner space, you're getting into uh, that place within, which is, in fact, the, the, uh, the Holy of Holies. He also says, set aside an hour or more each day to meditate in a room or in the fields. <clears throat> While there, speak out whatever's in your heart with words of grace and supplication. These words should be in the language you normally speak so that you're able to express yourself as clearly as possible. When you entreat God in the language you are used to, the words are closer to your heart and will therefore flow more easily. It reminds me in, um, in uh, Maharashtra, uh, the great Saint Yaneshwar, Yaneshwar Maharaj, um, he, uh, he wrote his, his commentary on the Bhagavad Gita in Marathi, which is the vernacular. That's the, the language of the people in Maharashtra, while most of the, the, uh, the sacred texts were all in Sanskrit. So he wrote it in the vernacular, which is considered low. And he got, takes pains in the beginning of many chapters saying, in the beautiful Marathi language, I will express these things in the beautiful Marathi language. As you know, God understands English and Marathi as well as Latin, Hebrew, and, and, uh, and Sanskrit. And so it's saying, speak the words that are closer to your heart so your communication is more valid. <coughs> Let's see. This one, I, he says, 
one should sigh and groan during Hit Bodadut. He says, the sighing of a Jew is very precious. You don't have to do that. But if you, if you want to, Rabbi Nachman teaches, there may be times when a person doesn't feel he can speak to God, doesn't feel the words he is speaking. This can happen, and it does happen. Sometimes the mantra, which is sometimes charged with energy and love and light, is sometimes dry and just feels brittle in the mouth and just a meaningless word. Isn't that true? And sometimes it explodes with shakti and other times not. So sometimes like that. He says, don't be discouraged. Just sitting there before God and wanting to pray to him is in itself a very great thing. <clears throat> he says, even when you cannot speak, even when all you can get out of your mouth is one word, only one word, it's still worth all the efforts to put into hit bodadu. Repeat this one word again and again. And sometimes you might, well, one word is Om Namah Shivaya, but also you might just fasten on love, or peace, or joy, uh, or one, or whatever word strikes you there. He says, even if this continues for a few days, constantly strengthen yourself with this word. Ultimately, God will open your mouth and send you the necessary words. You'll be able to pray and meditate properly. Another one, as mentioned earlier, the Rebbe also said, even if one can only repeat the words, Master of the world, this is also very good. Just Om Namah Shivaya. <clears throat> well, someone once came to uh, Reb Nolson praising a certain student who knew 1,000 pages of Talmud by art. That's scripture. Reb Nolson said, but my student, Reb Oza, can say 1,000 times master of the world. Can say Om Namah Shivaya 1,000 times. So even though you, a scholar has read all these books, you can say the mantra. And he himself... Uh, said, I wish I had known, when I was younger, the great power of prayer. I wouldn't have done the self-abnegations that had such a devastating effect on my body. That's why he's so sick, because he did these austerities outside and fasting and, and being out in, the, in bad weather and so on. <clears throat> uh, let's see. I saw a cartoon in the New Yorker that uh, may be relevant. You have that cartoon? What do you got? Okay. There's a man trying to do hit vodadut. Probably Moses, right? And uh, trying to communicate with God. He's saying to God, I think you're on mute. God is silent. <laughs> but if he understood hit vodadut, he'd be all right. Of course, God speaks within. The, the Shakti speaks within the person. Good, huh? All right. Uh, let's see. Rabbi Nachman teaches, 
Speech has tremendous power to arouse a person to serve God. Therefore, even if you feel your words lack heart, keep saying them. Say them in whatever way you can. After a while, these heartless words will arouse you to connect with God. Um, persistent daily prayer chips away at the heart of stone and elevates a person to God. And the main thing here is what Martin Buber talked about, the I-thou relationship. It's you taking God into the second person and talking directly to him, not making him a he or she, which makes you far away. When you use third person, you're further away. But when you talk to someone, uh, that's I-thou, and that's much closer, much closer to it. Did Gershon write about uh, Buba also? I think he did. <clears throat> the I, so be, imagine yourself speaking to your higher self, to speaking to yourself as you should be or as you are in your essence, and face-to-face -face like that. He says, oh, this is nice. Rabbi Nachman teaches, the wise person will pray his entire life to speak just one totally truthful word to God. At one moment, <laughs> there are different levels of truth. There are those whose speech transmits a little bit of truth. They have truth within themselves, but it cannot radiate out to enlighten others. Then there are those special individuals who have such a high level of truth within themselves that each and every word they say has the power to enlighten others with truth. And this reminded me of Baba, because Baba, in satsang with Baba, when you were in satsang, Baba spoke with such power. Not, he didn't scream and yell, but there was so much energy because he was speaking the truth compassionately. He wanted everyone to get this understanding about themselves and to be able to grow inwardly. There was so much love and compassion in it and that he was able to transmit through his words. And as we get in touch with these deeper parts of ourselves, then what we say will have greater power and greater meaning. When we're just caught up in ego and selfishness, then what we say, the words just kind of dribble out and die at our feet. Um, so it's very beautiful. So that's Rabbi Nachman. So um, we're going to, we'll try a little hit Bodhidut. I'll, I'll lead you with it. I recommend, uh, you know, in a sense, the Shiva process is a kind of hit bodhidut, trying to get to the essence. Because underneath all the neurosis, all the suffering, all the desire, all the fear, all the resentment, all the worries and all that, if you peel all that away, what you get at the, at, at the bottom, contrary to what I thought in the 60s when I thought there was nothing there, Contrary to that, there's something beautiful there. There's love there, there's joy, there's peace there. And that's the true self. And so through this process, we can get to that. We can get to that. But I thought of another great practitioner of Hitbodadut. Actually, he was earlier than uh, Nachman. And this is my favorite uh, Maharashtrian saint. You have a picture? my dear Tukaram Maharaj. And Tukaram's uh, poetry was a form 
of his bodhidhu because he was always talking to God. Sometimes he'd complain to God. Sometimes he'd strut before God. Sometimes he'd make requests. Other times he'd surrender. All kinds of things. He was always processing his own feelings in that relationship. So I, I thought I'd read you a couple of poems by Tukaram, and we can try some hit Bodhidhu. He, his Tuka, he's a 17th century poet from uh, Maharashtra, the state that uh, Ganeshpur is in. He says, I must declare my mind, O God. How is it you don't know it? I'm speaking to you. How come you don't understand me? <clears throat> Appoint me any lot as you will. I will not change. You can't change me. My mind is lame. I can recall no remedy, so I have embraced your feet. I'm stupid and helpless, so I've decided to grab hold of you, God. Both enjoyment and renunciation bring pain. So I've tra traveled the way of enjoying life, partying, you know, <laughs> sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That brought a lot of pain. Then I decided I'll do yoga, I'll fast, and I'll, I'll uh, be austere, and I'll sit in a cave. That brought pain. Both pain. What the hell is with any of that? Why should I go on doing and undoing? I've fallen into a grave doubt. Tuka says, when a mother has lost a child in the wood, she grieves because she cannot find him. Oh, Mother Vital. He's speaking to Vital, who's in the form of God. So they say, I'm just going to do nothing, but you've got to be the mother. You've got to find me. I give up. I can't find you through pleasure-seeking, and I can't find you through austerities. So it's up to you. Another one. It's good, huh? Another one, I have, I have faith in you. I have grasped your feet. I will not let them go. I will not take anything to let them go. I have clung to them so long that you will find it an old affair and a perplexing one to get rid of me. <laughs> Tuka says, I will not let you go, not if you give me anything else. <laughs> you like that one? And just one more. <clears throat> Tuku says, I have used up every means of reaching your feet. I want to offer you worship, but I lack faith. I cannot control my mind for any purpose. To offer you pious deeds, I need will. To offer you gifts and treasure, <clears throat> to offer you gifts, I need treasure. I don't know how to honor Brahmin guests. I am void of compassion. I'm just a loser. I don't know how to serve the guru or holy men, nor to repeat the mantra, or to undertake pujas or austerities. <clears throat> I cannot lay aside passion, or dwell in the forest, or subdue my senses. Hopeless. <laughs> if I go on a pilgrimage, my mind does not go with me. If I perform rituals, I don't know the correct procedure. Very modern, isn't it? <clears throat> if I say God is with me, I think I'm superior to others. Therefore, I have come as a suppliant, your servant in all humility. Such a one needs no store of merit. Person who just goes simply to God doesn't need to have any attainments or any achievement or be a great yogi or a great yani or anything. Just goes simply 
Now I'm fine, says Tuka. <laughs> so it's a kind of, you see the hit Bodhi in it at all? Okay. All right, so let's practice a little. I'll lead just to a little, uh, a little um, hit Bodhi And I, I recommend that you do some version of this in your inner world, that you speak to the self, to God, you can speak to Jesus, if that's your preference. You can speak to Krishna. You can speak to the consciousness. Speak to Shakti. Whatever it is. But be in that I-thou relationship. It's always your own self. You can even speak to your higher self. And you be the, the lower self, the jiva, the individual soul, speaking to his higher self. And see if you can find that, that uh, sweet spot where there's expansion and upliftment. So we'll, we'll meditate for 10 minutes and we'll do a little bit of hit uh, bodhidut. So let's go inside. And imagine that you're uh, sitting, talking to God or the guru or your higher self and see what you want to say to him or her and ask to draw closer to know the true self and confess whatever limitations you have that obstruct you. You might have anger, you might have fears, you might have bad memories, trauma, you might feel inadequate. Just tell that to into consciousness and say, in spite of that, O oh God, O oh Consciousness, please lift me up and show me the way. And work with whatever comes up in your mind. And I would recommend being very real and say, say uh, begin with what you want. Say inwardly what you want and say inwardly also what you don't want, what you want to avoid. And then go to talking about drawing closer to the divine, to the shakti, to the consciousness, to God. So let's do some hitbodadut, and we'll do that for about 10 minutes. Once again, with great love and respect, I welcome you all with all my heart. Satgurnat Maharaj Kijay. Let's hit Bodhidharma.